following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Game of Thrones, Ex Machina, WandaVision, Ted Lasso, Short Circuit, Jurassic Park, Get Out, Looper, X-Men, Apocalypse, Severance, Family Matters, The Da Vinci Code, Mythic Quest, Fight Club, The Eternals, Venom, Groundhog's Day, Spider-Man, Batman, and Stargate. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or a purple power-shooting cane that can destroy a sarcophagus. Uh, I'm your host, Conchluigi. Conch- no, I'm sorry. Conch- I'm your host, Conchluigi. And with me, as always, is my avatar, my best friend, uh, and my co-host, Ryan T. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you, sir. I'm here and ready to go, baby. Hey. Um, Ryan, why don't you tell the listeners what we're talking about today? Today we're talking about Moon Knight, the Disney plus Marvel television show, and it's entitled Episode 3, The Friendly Type. The Friendly Type. What do you think that refers to? I honestly, I think it's almost like a sarcastic reference to the third personality that we haven't seen. Mm. Okay. You know, Friendly, but really he's the violent son of a bitch who's murdering everybody that we don't know about yet. Yeah, in the last episode, we kind of alluded to there's a uh, an alternate persona named Jake Lockley from the comics, and I think you kind of theorized, like, oh, maybe he's um, doing the stuff like replacing the goldfish or, like, all of these missing gaps when it's not Mark or Steven. And, yeah, this, this episode very much makes it clear that uh, at some point there is a third entity. Well, I guess a fourth one if you count Conchu, but there's another entity. Um, yes that's at the wheel sometimes. And, and both of them are like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was you. No. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to find out. I think in the next episode, we'll probably find out who that is. Um, but I, all theories point to Jake Lockley. Yeah. I think episode four is going to be, it seems like Marvel does if episode four seems to be the big episode, like the break. I don't know. It seems like always episode four is the, the big one with the breakthrough. I especially remember in WandaVision episode four, that first scene you see everybody snapping back from the snap. It was like the, what? It was the first episode. You're like, what the fuck? You know? And I kind of think episode four of Moon Knight might be a what the fuck episode too. And I, I like that. I think so. Uh, this episode was directed by Mohamed Diab once again, um, written by Bo DeMeo. And uh, the stars in this episode, we got Mae Calamoy again, um, Gaspar Uliel, uh, that was, uh, he plays Anton, uh, the, the rich guy that they go to Mogart. visit, Anton, Anton Mogart. And I also wrote down uh, Diana Bermudez. Uh, we're going to talk about her a little bit later when we get to okay. a particular scene. Um, cool. She played Yatzel. Uh, okay. So the opening scene of this episode is Layla talking to somebody who's, like, forging documents. And mm-hmm. uh, she's saying, uh, I found him with the scarab living 20 minutes from our old place. She's talking about Stephen. Um, he's probably going to get himself killed running around Cairo. 
And this woman that's, like, making a fake passport for her uh, alludes to the fact that Layla hasn't been home in 10 years. So um, yeah. I think this was implied or maybe explicitly said in the last episode, but that this is where uh, Cairo is, seems to be where Layla is actually from. Yes. Um, yeah. Arthur has found Amit's tomb, and he has a whole entourage of people with him. Uh, the scarab points down... And he instructs all of them to just start digging. So he's uh, very, very close to finding it. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to Mark running over some rooftops. And it looks like he's looking for somebody. And when he finds him, he's getting stabbed to death by three men on a roof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he gets into a fight with those guys. Uh, he looks at his reflection in something at some point. And then has like a the moment and wakes up in a cab. Now we kind of get almost the reverse of what was in the first episode, where you know we're we're getting like Mark going into like another personality instead of Steven and not really knowing what's going on, which I think the parallels of that are pretty cool. Mm. And it's I should also mention that what kind of triggers that is when he sees the reflection, he's about to kill one of the guys. And Steven is, like, begging him not to. He's begging him to spare the guy. Uh, And so they have this little bit of a struggle. And I think that is what allows this third personality, while the two of them are distracted arguing with each other, to come to the forefront and do what needs Mm -hmm. to be done. Yeah, he's almost like the extreme violent one. And he he only gets the body when emotions are high or, like, when he's about to die. Mm Because it seems like only when he's in extreme peril that we get this other personality that we think is there that we haven't seen yet. And it's always violent. He's got blood on him and the guys are like bleeding on the ground dead. And it seems like Mark isn't that violent. Like he's more in the middle. Like he fucks them up, but he's not like viciously murdering them, you know? And he even had some remorse for that younger kid, you know, who was with the thugs there and he slaps him instead of punches him, like kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> which I think is cool. And yeah, so I don't, I think there's more to it than just, of course, Mark and Steven. Yeah. He, um, when he wakes up in the cab, there's an interesting moment where the cab driver kind of turns around and he's like, you're speaking Arabic now. Why did you pretend you were a tourist? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but- like what happened in those little it would be fun yeah it'd be i'd you know what i'd be cool with if it's if the fourth episode is all like this other personality like we were kind of predicting the second episode would show us like what was mark doing when steven wasn't aware um mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i don't know if they're gonna do that but it'd be cool to see like the other angles or the other the the gaps the missing gaps whole episode that does like a fill-in of all the you know we get them the this the jake or the mark during Steve that we didn't see or whatever, vice versa, just so we can kind of see like what happened there. Or, I mean, maybe they're assuming we just figure it out and they'll move on. But I kind of like, I kind of would like a, a fill in episode, but at the same time, we only have six episodes. We got to get moving. Yeah. So I, if they do it in a quick way, uh, like a like montage. A quick, yeah. Maybe or, or something like that. But I do kind of want to see, kind of what happened to get him to these points. How, why is he in the cabin halfway to the airport? And like, like what went on? How did he get out of being killed when he got knocked unconscious? You know, like mm. knocked out, then changed. And then 
what with any like had the knife in the dude or what I forget mm-hmm. which one was up in the cab or with but either way what like what happened to get there I mean I'm kind of curious um I could use my imagination but a fill-in would be cool you know yeah yeah uh they yeah he sees the two dudes the they have a chase through the alley um he sees his reflection again kind of talks to Steven gets taken over again and then yeah he ends up like basically in the middle of the desert with this kid and yep. Um, I think is Conchu. I think tells him to kill the kid, right? Yeah, he's well. He's like, he's like, you know, hang him over the edge. You know, he'll talk. He'll talk. <laughs> yeah, and um, then he he, over there, and then like he's like praise Ahmed or whatever he said, and he just like killed him, cut the the cut the scarf or whatever it was, and killed himself. And then I love when Conchu goes like leans over with him. He's like. I thought he'd talk. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Khonshu talks to Mark about his uh, relationship with the other gods, and he mentions something about how if he if he angers the gods enough, he's going to get imprisoned in stone. Uh, yeah. We do see that happening later on because he manipulates the sky, and they don't like that. And other for other reasons, too, that we're going to get into, um, they do end up imprisoning him in stone. Uh, but there's a very, very uh, poignant thing that he says at one point where he's like, um, you wouldn't survive without my healing armor. So we've confirmed that that's yeah. how uh, he's able to survive certain things or recover mm-hmm. from getting injured is that the armor has healing powers. I think we already kind of inferred that, but it's. Nice to hear it uh, confirmed. Yeah, they haven't truly shown it until they. You do actually see it in this episode now, which is cool. He gets literally impaled like five times, and <laughs> which is really funny when he's Mister Knight as uh, Stephen Grant. He's like, "All right, take the body, take the body, take the body." <laughs> um, Ryan, I wrote this down, and I didn't write enough notes to, to set it up, but it, Mark says to Khonshu, do you have any good ideas? And Khonshu says, I have a bad one, and that's when he changes the sky. Do you remember what that was about? Well, yeah, he basically, they couldn't stop her of Mar- Arthur from digging, from digging up uh, uh, Emmett's tomb. So once they failed that, they were like, all right, well, this is all we can do. I'm going to throw up this, this, uh, you know, this solar eclipse to get the gods. Oh, what's he doing? You know, and he'll immediately call everybody in for this meeting, which will stop Arthur Harrow from digging the tomb. It's the only way to stop him is to, cause he's going to have to, he's going to have to come to this trial. A portal is going to open for him. And as, as an avatar of, of Amit, he, he, he has to. Basically. That's what it was. Yeah, because he says that basically if he does this, um, the it'll get the gods' attention and they'll call a meeting and then a portal will appear to each of the avatars wherever. And for Mark, it appears in front of the Pyramid of Giza. Um, yes. And he goes in. And uh, so this is where he meets some of the other avatars, the first of which is um, Yatzel. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is the actress I wrote down, Diana Bermudez. Um, I apologize ahead of time for being so thirsty on Maine, but my God, this woman was beautiful. <laughs> she was, yes, she was. Well, she, what was she? Was like the god of like love and music or mm-hmm. beauty, thing like that. So that works because 
She was gorgeous, yes. <laughs> uh, she is the avatar of Hathor, um, the goddess of music and love. Uh, I actually looked up all of these avatars, or all of these gods, because we don't get each of the avatars' names. And yep. even on IMDb, um, it just lists three out of five of them as <laughs> Horus's avatar, Blank's avatar, whatever. Um, the only other one that we get their name, well, actually, I don't even know if they say it in the episode, is Osiris, uh, and his avatar is Sel- Selim, uh, which is that guy with the like the really nice suit. That's like the leader guy, kind of. Kind yeah. of the leader guy, and very interestingly, is like the first one to agree with Arthur Harrow when he gives his account of everything and talks about uh, uh, Mark being sick and and having you know multiple personalities or whatever. Um, so real quick, I kind of wanted to run through who each of these five gods are. Of course, uh, Hathor. Uh, goddess of music and love. Uh, we just talked about her. Her. Um, this is this is like the briefest bit of research that I did, but her iconography is like a cow or a tree sometimes, or there's other symbols that sometimes represent her. Um, she's also the god of a lot of other things, like fertility and whatnot. But anyway, that's Hathor. Then we've got Horus, uh, god of the sky, and their their symbol is a falcon. Cool. Uh, then Isis, the goddess of the moon, life, and magic, and uh, they wear a throne on their head. That's their symbol. And I, I think um, it it would have been too on the nose if this was like the avatar that has the best relationship with with Mark, because it seems like Yatzel and Mark kind of uh, not like each other, but they're like. Like, I don't mean, like, like-like, like the way I like Diana Bermudez, but, um, <laughs> but, like, that she, see, she sees him and she's like, oh, yeah, I get what you're doing. Like, I don't know, she seems like she's on his side. Is she the one who kind of gave him the hint of where the sarcophagus is at the end there? Okay, yeah. 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 So it's like, when I, when I found out Isis is one of these people and she's the goddess of the moon, I was like, well, okay, I can see why they didn't make her that character because that would have been too, too yeah. on the nose. Um, then the fourth one is Tefnut, a goddess of moisture and rainfall, and their iconography is a lioness. Um, also interestingly, Tefnut literally translates to that water, like that water right oh. over there. <laughs> Not this water, that water. <laughs> water, yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, Osiris, and I, Ryan, I think you're going to find this very interesting. Ooh. Uh, their iconography is an ostrich or a fish. That's not the part that I think is interesting, but they're, they are the god of the underworld. Oh, like Mephisto? Ooh, dun, maybe. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like I said, I, I'm starting to suspect that Osiris and Amit are in league with each other. I kind of got that vibe, too, because... He's so casually dismissed when he's just like, yeah, I'm just here just kind of chilling in Egypt. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, and he's Mm -hmm. like, "Okay, he's innocent. You know, it's kind of just like it was too quick and it just took very little to convince him that there was nothing wrong. Like he wasn't doing it. They didn't even look into it. Like it was it was just like, (laughs) oh, okay. Like, why are you here in Egypt with like a 100 other people from your like? from your from your cult mm-hmm. oh no reason at all okay we believe you okay <laughs> yeah like, like they, 
I know he went through the whole thing. Yeah, you know, Mark is sick and he has like his problems and that's why he's saying that was he's kind of putting the, the blame on him for that's the reason why he's here. He's he's crazy. He's, he doesn't he doesn't know what he's talking about. But like you didn't even like give a second thought to it, which kind of was like kind of makes me think somebody's in on it. He he presents a good case, Arthur. When they summon Arthur, he very much like judo flips the situation. Oh, uh, and he's super manipulative. Trust me, like I get it. Arthur mm. is super manipulative. He's great at convincing, and the way his tone and the way he presents it, it's like I I kind of believe you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, these, you know, <laughs> they should have a little more like insight. <laughs> it's that thing where like like the teacher left the room and a bully starts a fight with somebody. And then when the teacher comes back, all they see is two kids fighting. So yes. then, like, the bully is just very good at, at, like, being like, oh, no, I don't know. You start to look at him. He's such a, you know, whatever. Yep. And then, like, yeah, and he knows that uh, he's going to trigger Mark's anger and just let him kind of kind of bury himself. So um, he presents a really good case. But it's not a teacher or the principal. It's not even, like, a court of law. It's a It's five magical gods. They could, you're telling me they can't like fly over to Ahmed's yeah. tomb and just check out what Arthur's doing just to like verify his story? I mean, it's only right outside that he's like, you know, trying to dig up a tomb that you, that he, Mark, like you could easily prove what Mark is saying is true. But I don't know. I think that, like you said, there's a reason to it. There's somebody in on it. There's something, there's something more here. Mm hmm. And Yatsel doesn't buy it. She is, uh, or whether or not she does, um, she is at least suspicious. And she does help Mark afterwards, tells him where to find the sarcophagus of Senfu, the magi named Senfu. Uh, And then Mark is uh, kind of going around trying to to find out, and he asks, like, a wine merchant... um, the wine merchant, as soon as he says Senfu, the wine merchant is just like, nope. Uh, no. And then we see Layla. Mm-hmm. She comes. Yeah, yeah, you're not Egyptian. These people aren't going <laughs> to. <laughs> she comes in. I love this. She's like sipping uh, some kind of drink from like a plastic bag. Yeah, she's got like the wine in the bag or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm talk to you. Um, and they cut to uh, the two of them are like on a boat ride. Um <laughs> And yes. they're kind of they're arguing and like having you know it's it, you can tell like these this is a married couple like they have a very very good chemistry they're both very good actors uh, and they're they're playing it like you know they they're the, like a tense married couple yeah. that's going through some some stuff they nailed it and I also like the purple like if you look at the lighting in it it's like purple almost just like when. Um, I mean, I don't think it, I don't know if it really means anything, but then when Loki and Sylvie are, are on uh, Lamentis and it's the same like purple lighting when they're having that like deep conversation type relationship, that conversation, the same things kind of happen with, with them, that purple lighting and a lot of that purple magic. And I don't know if any of this is all going to come together. The di- I, like I've talked about last week, I think the different colors of the magic and I think are all going to I think that's all going to kind of come together in like a they mean something. The colors of the magic definitely mm. have a meaning. And like I think that lighting kind of is part of that kind of invokes a feeling. And so 
yeah, I thought that was really cool. The the way that was shot, the lighting, and 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 it was cool. That again, like you said, great acting. It was awesome. Uh, well, you know my theory about it. I've said it several times on this podcast that it has, it's the same color as the magic of the Power Stone. It has something to do with that, I think. Um, I will bring that back up when we get to lose big and, three later on. And, and what? Oh, oh, you're coming back. Okay, I was we'll come say, back to yeah. it later. But what were you okay. going to say? I was going to say the, the. I think also along with the Power Stone, all the purple magic also has to do with like dark magic, like Agatha Harkness mm-hmm. and anything that kind of has to do with the darkness which I think is, I think could be alluding to something, which is cool. I think so. Almost every time we've seen the Power Stone used, it's destruction. Like, literally yeah. in the first Thor movie, I think that thing that he fights is called the Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, then, uh, uh, what's it called? The, oh, uh, we so we get another, like, Technically, another alias of Mark Spector, um, because uh, Layla is saying, you know, hey, we got to make sure we go over our story so so we have it straight. And she he's he he is Rufino Estrada um, and they just got back from their honeymoon in the Maldives. And he remarks that, like, that's a very interesting detail, but they don't really expand on that. Yeah. What do you think that's about? I don't know. I I think it's just. And I thought it was just an alias just to, you know, not give up his real name or identity. I didn't really think too much into that. Mm. Maybe like the Maldives is like is significant to their relationship somehow. Like maybe they vacationed there or something. Yeah. I didn't think too deeply into that. I just kind of thought it was like, hey, we're just going to use these, just use this name and alias so we can get through. I didn't think too much into it. But yeah, I mean, it could be, could be more to it. Mm. I'm just like quickly looking on a map, like where is the Maldives? Um, so, in relation to Egypt, pretty far. Um, <laughs> it's like south of India. Oh wow! Okay. So, yeah, it's it's pretty far from Egypt, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more about that in a later episode. Hmm? Do you think it has a connection to the? to the overall scheme of what's going on or I don't, I think the way she, the way he said it to her, it seemed like it was like an inside thing between the two of them. Like, Oh, that's interesting that you would, you would, you Layla would add that detail to my backstory. I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 Maybe it was like, not so much. Yeah. But I, yeah. Now that you're mentioning it. Okay. Yeah. Like, maybe it's something where, like, they were supposed to go there on their honeymoon and they didn't or something like that. Yeah, that makes some sense right there, yeah. It was and like that, a little inside joke to mm. them. Yeah, I get you. Uh, and they, so they, they dock their boat and there is this, uh, they're, they're heading towards this, like, opulent mansion with this vast lawn. Mm. And they see something in the water that... Um, yeah that seems like odd to mark but i didn't really clock it and they never really expanded on anything else about what that was really but i mean they almost mentioned like it was arthur's men kind of like you know oh you know what i think that now that you've mentioned it i you know how arthur shows up 
in a few minutes after that. And he says, oh, I think that's Arthur's, like, guys. That was probably Arthur. Oh, like they were dropping him off? Yeah. He sh- after they do the whole sarcophagus thing and he goes up and he tries to break the code, then Arthur shows up and destroys the sarcophagus with his magic. Mm-hmm. I think that was him or it was his guys, at least, on the boat that was, like, you know, hinting towards they're going to be coming. I never actually thought of that either, but I think that's what that meant. That makes sense to me. Henchmen, didn't they say something like that or? Something like that. Uh, Yeah, there's another really interesting thing that um, the, so there's this guard named Beck and uh, he comes up and kind of greets them and like checks them um, Mm -hmm. before he lets, before the what? I was just going to say like that, the security guy, I, I didn't know his name, but it's Beck. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so he's like doing he's like a security guard, he's checking them out like before he brings them into the party and he yeah. mentions um that Layla did had some like got into some kind of trouble or something in Madripoor. He kind of alludes ah. to Madripoor. Yes. Yes, I wrote that down too and they that was the fir- that's the first real connection to the MCU in this show that we've really seen like that besides- in the GCR. Besides that, on the buses and stuff, but actually somebody talk about it. So if, like, Layla was, like, at Madripoor making, like, some illegal, like, black market deals with maybe the power broker or something like that, you know, some ancient artifacts, that's that's a cool connection right there. Yeah. I, minute, what? <laughs> I can, like, uh, yeah, I can, you can draw a straight line just from that inference that, like, Anton Mogart is somehow involved in, with the power broker or, like, deals with her, gets gets rare artifacts from her, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's remind the listeners, because we did find out at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier who the proud power broker is. Sharon Carter, baby. That's right. <laughs> uh, do you oh, think yeah. she's going to show up on this show? I I don't. I don't think she'll show up. Okay. I think we're going to make the connection to Madripoor, but I don't think she's going to show up. I, I, I just, I mean, if she does, awesome, but I just, I don't think so, you know, but cool. it's just my thought, but yeah, I don't think so. What do you think? No, it could be, it could be a thing where like how she kind of, uh, you know, had, we see her like on the phone at the end of Falcon right. and Winter Soldier and, and she's basically <laughs> confirming that she's the power broker for the audience. Um, yeah. We might see something like that, like a quick scene or a post-credits kind of thing. That would be awesome if we saw a scene where they're transferring goods or some kind of uh, an illegal transaction or black market deal. That would be cool. Mm. <clears throat> the – oh, I thought – I actually thought this uh, – when they, like, walk into the party, it's a it's just a cool – like, just the production value of everything is just very, really cool. The guys on the horses yeah. – and they're sort oh, of yeah. like I thought they were going to be jousting at first, um, but they're just sort of I don't know what what to how to describe what exactly they're doing. But they have these like long weapons, and they're sort of riding past each other and clacking the weapons together. Um, I'm sure that whatever that is has a name or you know <laughs> a term for it to describe it, but it was cool. Yeah, because they're like later they're literally impaling him with those things, so. They're not they're not regular old jousting. It's definitely different. So, yeah, I don't know what that was, but it looked like fun. 
I guess I would call the like the weapons they're using javelins because they're pretty yeah like, pretty much like, javelins. They're like uh, at the end, it looked like 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 exactly like a javelin. And <laughs> and they say that um, that Anton is like training from like these are the best trainers in the world, so they're training him to 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 fight and in this style with these javelins on horseback. Um, yeah, which is really you know, impressive. That, like it's hard to hit. It's hard to. To like shoot an air like a bow. Not not speaking from experience, but like for <laughs> obvious reasons, it's very hard to like shoot a bow and arrow from horseback or throw something with accuracy from horseback. Oh. Uh, just the amount of coordination that and, and strength and skill that would take is yeah, really impressive. Bring up time trying to shoot those arrows while riding the horse. <laughs> Jeez, what what of time? Zelda Ocarina of Time when you have to do the shooting the arrows riding the horse. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the hard. That's one of the hardest challenges. <laughs> um, the, I don't, you the, you, you kind of started watching Game of Thrones, right? Because the Dothraki are that's like one of the things they're known for is like being really good at horseback combat. I only watched up to like partially in season one, though. Okay, okay. I watched up to the part where they like poured the metal over, like her brother's head it's yeah yeah <laughs> big spoiler yeah. for game of thrones y'all <laughs> oh yeah spoiler spoiler that's fine if people haven't seen it by now that's not, that's on yeah. them um i am gonna add it to my spoiler list though just to be just to be safe um yes <laughs> so Do it. i forgot about the spoiler list yeah i gotta mention more tv shows so you can put them on there <laughs> Uh, so then I skipped over a lot of details, so maybe you can, maybe you can give us like a better timeline than I have, but, um, but they're looking at this sarcophagus and, oh yeah, they're, they're trying to gain an audience with Anton because, uh, they want to see this sarcophagus up close because it has clues to, um, uh, to find... There's there's the map that shows the constellation of the stars that will show where the actual tomb is. That's what it is. Okay. So they're trying to get Anton to let him go to the sarcophagus Mm -hmm. without causing too much suspicion. So eventually, you know, Anton's like, yeah, you know, go check it out. But you learn that he is suspicious of them anyway, because... You know, after a few minutes of seeing uh, Mark talking to Stephen, like out of nowhere, they're kind of like, "What the fuck is going on here?" But he's kind of like trying to tape the pieces together, and then, uh, you know, they the the, the the who Beck Beck comes up and stops them because, of course, it looks a little suspicious with what's going on here. The yeah, dude, it sure does. <laughs> what's going- Oh, so he goes, and Mark immediately turns around and uses his mercenary skills and disarms the guy like right off the bat. Yep. Which, and then basically it leads to uh, Mark turning into Moon Knight mm-hmm. and fucking everybody up, and which is awesome. <laughs> and it all could have been avoided if he had taken, uh, if he had listened to episode one of this podcast where I said there's going to be a situation where it's better for Steven to be in control than Mark, and it's going to have something to do with his knowledge of Egyptology and, and history. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like Steven is begging him, like, let me take over because I can solve this for us. Um, and that's why they're having this argument. And I'm telling you, if Mark had just been less stubborn, uh, Steven could have just taken over real quick figured it out i really think the gist of this whole show is going to go with the fact that it's going to end with all the personalities learning how to work together 
and fight as one and use each other when they need each other in different situations. Like we may even find out that Jake has his own version of the suit, which might be the big surprise in one of the episodes. And then, you know, so each one is going to have to learn how to, they're going to have to learn how to, it would be awesome if in the last episode we have a fight where all three of them are fighting and they're going in between the different suits who can you like, who's like is more apt to win in this situation. They change and boom and fight. That would be awesome. And they learn how to utilize the three personalities or however many it is to be an awesome hero. And that would be, that would be fantastic. Do you think it's going to be like a Megazord thing where they com- they blend the three personalities into like the ideal combined personality? Or is it going to be like a timeshare thing where they, they sort of work out like, okay, on these days or these hours, you get to have the body, et cetera, et cetera? I, and I think it's going to be more of a mutual sharing. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> like an Ultra Zord, they pulled together <laughs> and like fought. That would be cool, but... I really yeah. think it's more of him coming to terms with his issues, learning how to deal with it and using it to his advantage. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Cause that, that could be really awkward. Like if you're, I don't know if it's like Mark's time to have the body, but then like, they're <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, Steven, I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to think of a scenario that, uh, yeah. Like if they're at, at like dinner at somebody's parent, like Layla's parents house or something. <laughs> And then suddenly it's like the other person's turn, but it's like, well, you, there, right. you know, these people are going to be strangers to you. And they're like, whatever, it's my time. Get out. Well, I think they're going to learn to know when to stay away. Like yeah. if we're with Steven and he's at Mark, we'll be like, okay, this is Steven's time. And they're in the background and they now know what it's like to be in the background. Cause all of them are going to have their chance. So they, 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 they know how to rotate in and out. All right. This, Parker Stevens shot. This is what he's good at. So I don't, I think it's going to be where they're going to work together and not really. I hope it gets to that. That would be cool. That would be really cool to me. If they, if they get to the point where they can all work together, they all have a different suit and personality with the, with moon Knight, And that would be, that would be sick. It would be very different from the comics I feel, but mm-hmm. I think a cool way to make it MCU and, if you've ever read about the comics, I mean, I've heard, I don't, I've never read the comics, but I've heard people talk about them on, on podcasts I listen to and stuff like that. And there's lots of iterations of Moon Knight from basically everything's an illusion to the supernatural. So it's like, you don't really know what they're going to do. So this is the chance to really, for MCU to set what this is going to be. And it would be cool, I think, if they went in that direction with with one body learning how to deal with the three personalities and utilizing it to their advantage. That would be awesome. That would be cool. Um, Layla agrees with us and she, she even says to Mark, like, let Steven out. And he, he is suspicious in this moment that like, no, if I do, he'll never give it back. Cause Steven said that like also, (laughs) um, but yeah, it just, man, this whole fight could have been avoided, but then we wouldn't have gotten the cool fight scene. Um, Exactly. And yeah, the guys are, uh, they, they impale him with the javelins and they're like pinning him to the ground by his hand and his chest and through his shoulder. It looks like extremely painful. Um, and what happens next? Arthur, I think that's when Arthur comes up and, uh, they kind of stop 
Do they stop fighting when he shows up? No, Arthur's already, I believe, shown up before that. He destroys this. He destroys the sarcophagus. He destroys the sarcophagus and then kind of, kind of leaves. Mm. That's when Moon Knight shows up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and he says something to Anton about like this is just a uh, a sample of the power that I'm offering or something like that. Yes. He just shows him, and then he just, like, walks off, and then we kind of don't really see him again. And you'd think this dude would be a little more upset over Arthur destroying his rare artifact, but... You but I um, think... Yeah, no, I, I don't know what you think. But, yeah, you'd think you'd be, he'd be a little more pissed off, but at the same time, you just saw what kind of power this guy has, so what are you going to really do? Yeah. But, I mean, and then it kind of just... After that, he he fights off all the dudes, and then we kind of cut to the scene where they're in the car together, mm-hmm. and they're kind of talking about, you know, how. Uh, so he kind of Arthur kind of alluded in that scene of or at some scene earlier where Mark may have been the person who killed Layla's father. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> also leads to another reason why I think there's a third personality. And I think mm-hmm. third personality, the violent ass motherfucker, is the one who killed Layla's father. Okay. So, so Mark and Stephen really have no idea about it, but I think we're gonna find out that it was him, but it was the other personality. I mean, I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> I could see that because otherwise, it's un- unreconcilable. Like it's unless like. Yeah. Unless her father was a terrible person and Mark had to kill him, or if it was one of yeah. his other personalities and not Mark that killed her father, uh, either like otherwise, it's pretty much unforgivable. I don't see how they could remain married after that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he because he doesn't know what's going on. You know, Mark is basically just kind of like. You know, Arthur's just trying to get between us. He's trying to separate us. But I think he's actually kind of telling the truth about that. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, Layla's like, oh, you know, I'm always finding out something new about you, something crazy and blah, blah, blah. And then we end up in the desert where they're trying to get the map together. Yes. And this, this has one of my favorite moments in the show so far. Well, scene. when he when he asks for Steven's help and they're like, fuck Like when he like asks, when they say we need Steven, we need Steven. Yeah. And he, t- he takes the side view mirror and it's a single camera shot of, of Mark transforming into Steven. And it's such a good bit of acting from Oscar. And no effects or anything. It's just, that was brilliant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The way he changes from Mark into Steven was it was fucking awesome. The first, I like said out loud when I watched the episode, that was great acting. Like his face changes, his eyes change, like everything. That was superb. It yeah, was awesome. Super impressive. I, I like, I've, I've, I've always liked Oscar Isaac, but I never knew he was this good. Yeah. And this brings him into a whole new light for me. Cause I love this dude. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen Ex Machina? No, no, but oh. I saw him talking about it, but I've never actually seen it. Uh, is it good? 
it's such a good movie. I'm not going to say anything about it, but I am I am going to add it to the spoiler list. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to describe anything about it because it's such a good movie. And I think you I think you'd like it. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll watch it because I've I love this dude now. It's actually you know what? When I first saw that movie and then later I saw Star Wars uh, Episode seven. Somebody was like, somebody that I saw it with was like, oh, yeah, that was the guy from Ex Machina. And I was like, who? And because he looks and acts so different in both movies, I didn't even know um, that, that like, like I watched the whole movie and I was like, oh, I didn't know Oscar Isaac was in that movie. It's a great movie. (laughs) Hell yeah. He's fantastic. Uh, He is. Um, He's he's like Gary Oldman in in some ways where he can just completely disappear into a role. Yeah. He doesn't even seem like the same person. Like, it's like, it's good. Um, and then the, also the cool part is I think Layla is falling in love with Steven. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> makes her, he makes her smile more than Mark does. Yes. Which is another conflict that's going to play, but, oh man, there's that scene there where, the, where they talk together. It just, she's, she's He's in. She's in on Steven. I love I, it. I feel like the I feel like the story they're kind of implying, like the history of Mark Spector, is I do think Mark Spector was in the military, got all this training, was you know, some kind of mercenary, whatever, and he met Layla, and at some point his like DID made him compartmentalize parts of himself and create the Steven persona. And the parts that he compartmentalized are all of the parts that like are in love with Layla. So, you know, he, he, Steven studies Egyptology because that's where Layla's from. So it's like a way of connecting with her more. Um, Steven's favorite poet is her favorite poet. Uh, So it's, it's like, it's not that Mark and Steven are a completely different person. It's like, that's the, like Mark is the is the brawn and Steven's the heart. I think we're gonna find out that Steven is the soft heart, lovable side of Mark. We're gonna find out Jake is the absolute opposite of Steven and the violent psychopathic version of Mark. So we're gonna have the complete total opposite sides. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I feel like that would be cool. <laughs> It's the, um, they're basically like, it's the, the id, the ego and the super ego. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and, uh, they, yeah, they have this, so they have this map that they've taped together and, uh, Stephen talks about how the Egyptians invented modern navigation, um, because they, they would travel in the desert and not have, uh, landmarks that they could use for navigation. Um, so they dis- they figured out a way like using the stars. But mm-hmm. the problem is that the stars over, I think they're trying to figure something out from 2,000 years ago, uh, and the stars have shifted just enough that this map is not accurate anymore. So yep. this is why Khonshu has to basically uh, allow himself to like violate what the gods told him not to do, and, yeah. and end up being imprisoned um, because he remembers, he says he remembers everything. He remembers that night specifically. Every night. <laughs> yes. Say that again? He's like, I remember every night. And, and he almost said that. 
which kind of makes you kind of like almost have remorse for him, kind of. And, it allu- you know, it alludes back to, I, I think, uh, so th- this is what I was talking about with Yatsel earlier, kind of. Like, I don't think it's that Yatsel has the hots for Mark or whatever. I think it's that Hathor and uh, Khonshu had a relationship. Like, the two gods had a relationship. Because she says yeah. something about, like, you know, you, you used to enjoy uh, my music so much and, and mm. things like that. Yeah. Dude, that, absolutely, Yes. Totally. I never thought about that, but yes, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he does, he does kind of sound sad or like, like remorseful or, or like there's yeah. longing in his voice when he says yeah. that. And I wonder if that night was like a particularly yep. important night between him and Hathor or something I like that. that he vanished too. So maybe that has memories of that. So, but the fact mm. that he had some kind of emotion is just like that's cool in and of itself. So, like, it really h- humanizes the character, mm-hmm. <laughs> even not human, but you know what I mean. And he also makes a noble sacrifice because he um, he tells he tells Stephen uh, when the gods imprison me, tell Mark to free me. So Mark somehow knows what what would needs to be done to reverse this to get him out of the stone prison. Like he knows, yeah, exactly. And I think that's awesome. I can't wait to see what do it. And then I may be skipping over something here, but then Arthur visits uh, when Khonshu is imprisoned. He comes in to see him and asks, like, can he hear me? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's talking to Selim, the avatar of Osiris, who basically tells him, yeah, he hears everything. Yeah. Uh, and so Arthur goes, and so this this kind of calls back to the first episode when Stephen is talking, it's first and second episode, when Stephen is talking to the gold-painted man who's like a statue and can't yeah. move and can't respond and can't talk back um, and uh. just kind of unloading on him. And so this is like a reversal of that, or not a reversal, but it's kind of a similar scene where Arthur is doing yeah. that to Khonshu in his prison, imprisoned statue form. Which I just have to say, I have to give uh, some more... Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke oh my god in this show they are so good Mm. Ethan Hawke too is just so fantastic as Arthur Harrow like that badass he's so calm but yet uh, like evil at the same time like there's just it's so great how he plays that character and that last little monologue with the statue I thought was so badass and the way it ended it ended with Conchu in stone. Mark is Mark Stephen, whoever is unconscious, and it just ends in a bad place. And I can't wait to see where they go from here. But I also ask you, uh, what do you, what do you get to say? Yeah, well, just bad. just real quick that like this is uh, this the acting from both these actors like it, it's so good. Um, but we know from the Emmys last year uh, that. They're just gonna give all the Emmys to Ted Lasso, you know. So, so they're just gonna ignore this Man. brilliance that we're getting in these shows. And that sucks because I feel like, like somebody in like Wandavision and shit should have won for acting or something. You yeah. know, it's it's a real shame because a lot of superhero shows get and movies get overlooked yeah. when they shouldn't because it's fantastic. Like some of this stuff is is just great. I love Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac in this. Mm. Absolutely amazing the way they're playing their characters. Um, 
But I wanted to ask you about the the sky reversal thing. Do you think that that is something that's actually happening? Or do you think it's some kind of an illusion? Because think about that. He's moving all the stars, moon and sky. Is that actually like really happening? Is, Is everybody really seeing that across the earth? And is it really happening? Because... That can fuck up tides and fucking and all kinds of things with the moon moving, the planet shifting. I mean, that's not like stuff you can just do. I kind yeah. of thought it, it's not actually happening. He's mm-hmm. he's rewinding the vision of what the sky looked like at that time, but I don't think it's actually affecting the real planet's moon. And I think it's more of magic and illusion to people. What do you think? I think you're right. It's because you're right. Yeah, it's going to mess up um, tides. I didn't think of that, but that's a that's a really like strong implication that it would it would have like an effect on the Earth's geography. Uh, Yeah, because I was thinking more of like like werewolves are going to be, you know, uh, like that. You sent me that picture. I'm going to post it in the show notes (laughs) of the Animorphs like mid transformation and then the moon goes away. So they go back to being transformed. (laughs) Uh, also, any anyone that menstruates is probably going to have a bad time because if this is really like everything is shifting in the sky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I early in the episode when he does it to get the gods' attention, it's like it causes an eclipse and they show the people around Cairo like seeing the sky and it's like dark in the middle of the day. Um, so I think they're seeing it, but I I think it's an illusion of some kind. But then I think back to the fact of in Eternals, the Celestials just showed up in the sky and like sucked them in. Like these motherfuckers on Earth in the MCU have seen a lot of shit. So maybe they just don't care anymore. It's like, oh, oh, another crazy motherfucking thing is happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Half the universe was snapped away a couple of years ago. A giant celestial appeared in the sky and sucked up a couple people. Uh, now the moon and the stars are just fucking flying through the sky like crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, so maybe it's just, and eh, we've seen so much shit. This doesn't really, oh, it's just another thing. The Avengers or somebody's going to save us. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like that's a little much, though. What's happening is very, you know. I don't know. Then in Eternals, there's a giant celestial that turned to marble in the earth and it didn't <laughs> rotation of the earth or anything like that. So I don't know. And then my next question is, how does all these gods and stuff like I mentioned this last time, too? There's so many different gods. There's the celestials. Then there's the Asgardians. Now there's the Egyptian gods. Do they like relate to each other? They know each other is I don't know. There's so much. There's so much. I hope they like kind of explain like a little bit, like so we can have some kind of understanding of how these relate to each other. I just sort of came up with like an on the fly theory, and it relates to one of my lose big three questions. Um, so I have I have one more thing before we get to that in my notes, uh, which is just what Arthur says to statue action figure Conchu at the end, um, where he says. I enjoyed dealing out pain on your behalf. Uh, I, had you not broken me so completely, I might never have known the value of healing. Your torment forced me. I owe my victory to you. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love it. Almost like 
you know, you were my first avatar. Avatar, the, the the way you brutally treated me changed me into this. He's not going to say that, but this monster that I've now become. So I kind of want to see. I'm kind of on the edge of whether Kanchu is good or bad. You know, mm. still on that edge too, because I'm kind of still wondering. Good? Is he bad? Is he good just compared to Amit, or is he still a piece of shit, but not quite as bad as that? You know, I think he is. I think he was bad, and he's like reformed in some way. Yeah, but but he still definitely has like a very flippant attitude towards mortal lives. Like the guy that fell, and he's like, "Well, I thought he would talk." <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he's he's going to be more good than bad. That's my guess. Uh, he's, but, I'd say, like he's as bad as like somebody like Wolverine. Like Wolverine will kill people right. if he needs to, and not lose any yeah. sleep over it. You know, almost like anti-hero kind of, but yeah, little more hero. But I don't know. You know what I mean? But because because it's it's so, like his justification for everything that he does is to protect the innocent. Um, yeah. but sometimes like that can turn you into like, you know, a, a crusader and, and you up- also, again, I do think there, it may be some huge overlying thing in this show that we, that is a facade or an illusion or fake. So mm-hmm. I think we may find out something crazy in the next few episodes. It's totally beyond what we even thought. So Ryan, it is time for lose big three. Uh, Ryan is singing uh, the theme song in sign language. So uh, those of you <laughs> listeners who speak uh, uh, What are the lyrics? I got to get the lyrics. I don't even remember. It's Lose Big Three. It's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Say that again. Lose Big Three. It's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Lose Big Three. It's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Excellent. Uh, nice. Now I don't have to do as much editing because <laughs> we have a live performance of it. Thank you for that, Ryan. Lose Big Three, no number one. We already discussed this, but um, how do these all-powerful gods uh, see, like, things that Khonshu does and they see things that – and they immediately believe Arthur and they don't follow up on it? Like, what is what is holding them back from – looking into this, investigating whether or not Arthur is lying about his cover story. Well, because as you can see, there is something that stops the Egyptian gods from coming into our realm. Mm-hmm. So they can't, I, I mean, although we joked about it and talked about it, they really can't do that. So the only way they can interpret our world, see our world, speak through our world is through the avatars. So, they can't, they can't, they can't do that. Why is Khonshu an exception to that? I think it might have something to do with the fact that he was banished. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So he's no longer part of their crew. He's banished from them, so he may be able to do shit, or, or he breaks the rules and just does it anyway because he's Khonshu and he's not in, in the Iliad that, that's how you pronounce it? Any, any, any. So, you know, 
I think that's what it is. He's not in the crew. He's banished. He does what he wants. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah, if we're going with our theory uh, of these being, like, alternate dimension beings, like Dormammu, um, they kicked kicked Khonshu out of their their Egyptian god dimension, their Ennead dimension, into the material earth. Well, not really material quite because he can't, he, Khonshu can't interact with things physically, but like he he definitely sees the guy dead at the bottom of the cliff. uh, Yeah. And And he's there only, he's still there only, he can only still be viewed by his avatar, but it mm -hmm. definitely like he is at least seeing what's going on in front of him. Okay. So, but I think it has to do with the fact that he banished from whatever realm or situation they're in. And I don't think it's explained fully enough yet to understand, but I go has something to do with that. Awesome. I'm glad I asked that because that's, I think that's a good answer. Um, Lose big three, number two. Actually, this is kind of a two part question. Ryan, you're watching this show also on Disney Plus. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have your own Disney Plus account. Um, I do. My first part of this question is at the end of each episode of Moon Knight, does it suggest that you start watching something else? It's always Eternals. Yes. It is always the Eternals. Okay. <laughs> Why do you time. think that is? Why do you that, think this show is encouraging us to follow up each episode of Moon Knight with the Eternals? And that kind of brings me into my point where I hope they explain some of these God, different God. And I think they want you to watch Eternals because that may be coming. Mm-hmm. Some kind of differentiation between a celestial and an Asgardian god, an Egyptian god. There's so many gods in different realms. Do they know each other? Do they interact? Mm-hmm. Do they have anything to do with each other? Do you know uh, how does Ahmed? Uh, is that the that's the god from Eternals, right? Um, the the big big red celestial. I think that's his name, but or not Ahmed. That's uh, what the hell. Is God, but either way, how does he relate to Kanchu and how does Kanchu relate to Thor? And and they're all gods, but like, how is it differentiated? And I think that maybe they want you to watch Eternals because, okay, now we've showed you these gods, check out these gods, you know, and we're going to get to the point of explaining the difference and how they relate. But there's got to be some way they relate. That's why they're requesting you to watch that or, or requesting recommending Arashem <laughs> Arashem the judge is the the main like the big celestial from uh, I think the celestial Eternals like they're the gods I feel they've mm-hmm. created the universe it shows them creating like the big bang and like so I feel like they're the ultimate gods of the universe and how as guardian gods and Egyptian gods and all that are relate to that. I, I really want to know because I don't know. I'd love to see the relation to that and how they explain it or if they do it all. Mm. And I think that they have a way. Watch, I think that might be a reason why watch Eternals. Cause we're going to, this is all going to come together. Yeah. Like when WandaVision, WandaVision was always recommending um, that I watch age of Ultron. And that made sense. Uh <laughs> It gives you a ba- a history of 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 Wanda, so yeah. you know it makes sense. Yeah, I do hope we find out more because I think that's um, want I, some kind of differentiation of all the gods and the cosmic stuff. Mm-hmm. 
kind of almost contradicts and I just want some kind of explanation. If I don't get it, whatever, I love it anyway, but yeah. <laughs> um, the Lose Big Three number three, this is a wild theory that has a lot of holes in it, but mm. Ryan, is it possible that the third mm. avatar of Mark Spector slash Stephen... Stephen what? Stephen Grant? Is it possible that their third personality is Arthur Harrow? Oh. That's hardcore. It's definitely possible. I have heard that theory go round before. Have you? Okay. I thought I I came up with it originally. Uh, That's... But that's also that's encouraging no. that other people independently came up with it too. It's a it's a, it's definitely a possibility, but I I don't know if I want that. Okay. I don't know if I want it, but it's a possibility, and that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Have you like followed the rabbit hole of any of those theories of like how they would explain no. phys- metaphysically? How does that work? Or no down into it no but like what about like when mar or when steven and arthur are inter- interacting in the when he goes to the cult they're eating a lentil soup mm-hmm. and all of a sudden layla walks in with the scarab i have the scarab oh, well, i guess that's still she never mentions arthur as a separate person i'm trying to think of a situation where they're clearly recognized as separate people mm. Well, Anton Anton interacts with Arthur independently while That's Mark true. is there. That's true, but there could just be there could be writing and story that explains that. But I I think it's a huge possibility, but I don't I don't really want it to be to be true. I mean, yeah. if they write it right and it's done correctly, that would be awesome. I, but I don't think so. No. Yeah. I don't really think so, but it was like an interesting theory I came up with and I was, well, you know, I'm glad other people came up with it too. And I'm going to, I'm going to do some research and see if anybody's has expanded on it more. Um, but yeah, I I just couldn't like stop thinking about it. And I thought about that too. And I was just like, I don't, I just don't really want that to be the case. I don't know why, but I don't, but if it was, if it was true, I also don't want to say like, I don't like these ideas and then when they do them it's like i didn't like it if they do it and it's done correctly and it's like it could still be awesome i'm not saying that but in the off the top of my head it feels like i just i don't really want that well ryan if if that does happen and you know you're forced to eat your words later on you know that we're going to get some hate mail uh which is what we encourage from our listeners and ryan if you check the chat uh turns out we have gotten a second piece of hate mail from a, from a new listener. Um, so, Ryan, would you like to read uh, this email that we just got? Where did it go? Hold on. Oh, there it is under more. Shit <laughs> disappeared on me. Chat. Uh, I can send it again if you need oh, me to. I got it. My name is, is Lion Rawler. And no, I'm not an alternate person persona of your co-host, I'm just somebody who agrees with what very, very smart person who agrees with that very, very smart person who wrote in last week. You guys put together a great podcast, but now you need to answer my question about who would win a fight. A pack of velociraptors 
or Johnny Five from Short Circuit? Sincerely, Lion Roller. Oh, that is a great question, Lion Roller. That's actually one of my favorite questions. <laughs> okay, my guess, honestly, is my pick is Johnny Five. Johnny Five. It depends. Okay, are we? If we're talking Johnny Five from Short Circuit One, where he has the laser gun on his shoulder, fuck yeah, he's winning. <laughs> that laser gun is the shit. Now in Short Circuit Two, he changes his laser out for a like utility pack that comes out, and he's got like umbrellas and stupid shit in it like because he's like now i'm alive so i'm gonna do cool stupid shit but nah the first short circuit with the laser dude he's gonna cut all the heads off the velociraptors and it's all over your mama was a snowblower (laughs) yeah (laughs) ryan is it short circuit one or two where he fights the the gang the street gang los locos two two and he does that without lasers that's where he gets strung up and they beat the shit out of him with crowbars and shit. Yeah, Lo- that's Los, what... Uh, Los Locos kick your ass, Los Locos kick your face, Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Short Circuit 2, Johnny 5, is a little more, little more docile and alive. So I'm going to say Johnny 5 from Short Circuit 1, those velopter, velociraptors are fucked. That laser is going to just boop their heads off. Number two, he might, in Short Circuit 2, he might try to, like, talk to them and, oh, hey, you know, nice dino guys. I'm Johnny Five. You know, I'm nice now. Do they, do they ever show Johnny Five speaking other languages? Because maybe he speaks Velociraptor and, like, maybe he can, like, translate to them and get them to, to stand down. I'm what, maybe speaks Spanish to those gangsters? Mm-hmm. But, like, not much. I don't think he really speaks another trying to think no i don't think he ever speaks another language i've seen both those movies over 10 times probably (laughs) i would (laughs) i would still argue for johnny five in short circuit two as well because like even if he has all those things like an umbrella whatever he these are he's fighting animals like he could trick them he could you know uh like he could use an umbrella to like you know, make like make it fan out like he looks like a Dilophosaurus and they're going to back away from that maybe, or I don't know. He's a little more like Inspector Gadget in two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree with your assessment. I think Johnny Five is winning this fight. What is the maximum number of Velociraptors, though, before he gets overwhelmed? You know, I'm going to, you said five initially. Is this I did I said a pack of them and I, in my head, I was thinking like three, like maybe three, three Raptors. Yeah, I think three, but you start you start to get over three, it's they can ambush you and and he's a robot, it's hard to bite into him, but you start severing some wires, maybe he they bite into his battery. As we know, his battery gets destroyed in short circuit two, and he has to steal one from a car. So uh, you know, that could fuck him up. Okay. But I, I think three's his limit. We go more than three where it's going to be tough because you, I, how strong is that laser? You know, I mean, how many heads ever? So think about that. Yeah. And how, how much power does the laser use? Cause I could see him like just putting his head on a swivel and doing like a 360 laser yeah. blast all in every direction. But eventually that's going to deplete the battery. And if there's exactly. enough Raptors, they're going to swarm and 
overwhelm. There's only so much, exactly. So I'm, I'm still going with three, short circuit, one. It's my boy. Nice. Um, short circuit is a movie we have never covered on the podcast, Ryan. Maybe I can talk you into doing a, a full episode on that someday. We should one day, actually. That would be, that's a good, I never thought about that. That's a good one. I haven't seen that movie in 15 years, maybe. Ooh, but I, when I was a kid, I saw it. I, I owned like both of them on VHS. So I've, I remember one of the first movies I owned was Short Circuit 2 on VHS. And I remember watching Short Circuit 1 on HBO when I was a kid over and over again. So, yeah, that would be a good one to do. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one, definitely. Sweet. <laughs> uh, maybe after our like, Moon Knight coverage wraps up, we'll put that on the schedule. Hell yeah. Sweet. Uh, so that said, we had a couple new um, characters in this episode. Uh, are there any characters that you would replace with Danny DeVito or Whoopi Goldberg from episode three? Does it have to be new characters or can I just have Danny? What did I say last week? What was Danny DeVito last week? I think you said he, one way or another, you said he was going to be in a backpack. Um, I remember. I can't remember which character you replaced him with. Though. He's always in a backpack. <laughs> well, this week I'm actually going to say Danny DeVito should play the Scarab. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you can do that. You get him mm -hmm. in a little gold suit. You bend them over, you use like that technology where you make them look smaller than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And bam, you got yourself a sarcophagus finding Danny DeVito, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my gosh. And what about what about Whoopi? Whoopi, oh Jesus, now you're getting crazy. Whoopi, Whoopi man, who would Whoopi be? What do you think Whoopi should be? Help me out. Uh the cab driver. Oh, shit. Yeah, definitely. Whoopi's the cab driver. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's my girl. I want to see DeVito as uh, that rich guy, Anton Mokert. <laughs> oh, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, we need Danny DeVito in the MCU. Yeah. We really Especially like, when they walk up and he's like shirtless on horseback with like a spear and he's getting trained by these dudes that are like, that, like literally three times his height. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great absolutely <laughs> um awesome do you have anything else before we wrap up no i think that's that's good that's about it man nice uh so listeners uh thank you for listening if uh, thank you again lion roller i hope you left us a five-star review that was a great question so keep that's sending them in uh we didn't get any hate mail from um from from gooey lee this week so <laughs> But but I think that might have something to do with the fact that I've been uh, I've been I've been chaining my ankle to the bedpost. So Ryan, I got to ask you. This guy's name is very similar to yours, Lion Lion Roller. Um, yeah. I've have been you been wait, sleepwalking recently? I may have because I've been a little lax, like I said, on my chaining myself to the bed. So mm -hmm. whatever happens from midnight to six a.m., I have no idea. So. If somebody send an emails and hate mail, listen, I don't know. All right, well, hope, hopefully we'll find out more about that next <laughs> week, or uh, ho hopefully they'll send us more good questions, more more robot versus dinosaur matchups. It'll all uh, come together. 
So, uh, yeah, so uh, Lion and Gooey, if you're listening, uh, go ahead and uh, send us some more hate mail. Uh, and the rest of you that are listening, you can reach us at robosvdinos at gmail.com. Uh, Deanna Bermudez, I'm sure you're listening to every episode. Uh, you can go ahead and slide into my DMs, um, yeah. or you can send an email, whatever you want to do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's that's going to wrap it up for this week. So thanks for listening to our coverage of Moon Knight, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Next week, baby, episode four. I think it's going to be the big one. Your mama was a snowblower. The moon night time is the moon right time. I am justice. It's not an accent. This is how I talk. This is Gaviel. Dude, he's going <laughs> to cut all the heads off the velociraptors and it's all over.